will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Palmer Bed. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Hello and welcome to episode 421 of Burger on the Free. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter, at AndrewRLP. Joining me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find on Twitter, at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Going pretty well, Andrew. How are you? Spiffing. Okay. Doesn't get enough use, that word. No, it does. I'm going to get it back into the vernacular. Okay, I don't think you should. I'm I'm here for it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, it come to my attention that I seemed pretty belligerent in the last episode, and I swore a lot, so I'm going to behave a little bit more in this episode. Belligerent? Yeah. Oh, whoever said that, mate, they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> did Did you bash them afterwards? No, no, I'm not oh. a one person. You're not that belligerent. No, no. Fair enough. Um. So we are going to do. Feels like it's been a while since we've done this. Yeah. Our round preview. Thanks well, to our friends at Palmerbet. Well, Andrew, I've done them every single week this year. I don't want to brag. Except for one. There's oh, one yeah, week where was, I did them on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was done. That, that, that was probably the last time I did one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Palmerbet are a wonderful sponsor of ours. They've been great partners. It's been great to work with them this year. And all of the odds that we give this year are from palmerbet.com. And what does palmerbet tell tell all of the gamblers in Australia? No, gamble responsibly. Yes. Gamble responsibly. Yes. I was, was going to make a joke. I thought, no, that's not responsible. No, that's not responsible at all. Um, should we get stuck into it? We certainly should. Let's rip in. Excellent. Uh, on Thursday night, kicking off, we've got Parramatta versus the Broncos. So the Parramatta Eels are favourites in this game on palmbet.com. They're at $1.60 in the head-to-head. The Brisbane Broncos are at $2.30. The Broncos have a three-and-a-half-point head start at $1.90, and the Eels with the three-and-a-half-point handicap are also at $1.90. I've got to say, I think I would take the Eels with the three-and-a-half handicap. I'm just looking here at the because the na- teams have been named and for some of them they've um well, for this game they've cut down their squads to 19. So mm-hmm. for Parramatta, Ryan Madison's back, um, which means Murata Niakore has moved to the bench. Um, Bryce Cartwright's been moved to the reserves, so he's dropped out of the side. Mm-hmm. Um, for the Broncos, Corey Oates. Um, Kurt Capewell, Patrick Carrigan all come back from origin duty. Selwyn Cobbo is still out with a head knock. Um, Payne Haas and Corey Pates. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Sorry, Corey. Um, they're both back as well from injury. Mm-hmm. Jake Turpin's back at hooker. Billy Walton's is out injured. Um, Alasia, Flegler and Hetherington are all on the bench. So... They've got a lot of bodies back. Um, yeah. The thing is, though, some of those players haven't played for weeks. And I think that with the Parramatta Eels during Origin, they were pretty settled. They didn't have too many players that were really involved in the whole Origin series. And I just think that coming up against the Broncos, they really should get the win. 
And I just can see them covering that three and a half point start. I think a dollar ninety to for the Parramatta Eels to win by a try is really good money. Right, I'm going to go with the Broncos. Okay. My reason is Mitchell Moses come under fire today. He was called a myth. Do you know who called him a myth? Yeah, it was one of those uh, myths. Yeah, it was one of those sociopaths that write for corporate media that uh, just decide that it's crazy. Just uses his platform to, you know, on a on a on a big outlet like that to just attack somebody. Kind of weird. The the mythiest myth that ever myth Mm. is Paul Crawley as a journalist. Mm. He doesn't do journalism. He barely writes properly, and his opinions are dog shit. Yeah, gutless. He's spineless. Uh, he's a parasite. And a, a parasite without a brain. I'd agree with all of that. So um, I think I think that'll shake shake young Moses. I don't think he'll be able to come back from that. Well, the, the thing is, Moses needs to step up in this last part of the season because his last few years at the Eels, he has come into the final series and he's not been good. And he needs to turn that around, and the Eels need him to turn that around. So we'll see how it goes. I think this is a good start where he can really put his stamp on this game and hopefully get Paramount of the points. I hope so. But I'm now in a horrible situation. Thank you, Mitchell, where Crawley's going to be crying either way. Because if Moses plays like crap and Paramount get beat, he's going to go, oh, I told you so. And if Parramatta wins and Moses is man of the match, Crawley's going to go, oh, what I said spurred him on to play better footy. I should take credit for that. Yeah, but the thing to remember is that no matter what the outcome, Paul Crawley is irrelevant. He's irrelevant. I don't want, I don't want someone irrelevant gloating either and taking credit they don't deserve. I don't, that doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. But anyway, I'm going Broncos. Okay. I should be writing this down somewhere. <laughs> What's the point? I'm near the end of the tipping thing anyway, I think. Um, <laughs> next match, Dragons versus Manly on Friday. Now, the Dragons are outsiders in this game with palmerbet.com. They're at $2.40 in the head-to-head. The Manly wearing Seagulls are at $1.55. The Dragons have a two-and-a-half-point head start at $1.90. And with a two-and-a-half-point handicap, the Seagulls are also at one dollar ninety. Once again, I think that the Seagulls with the two and a half point handicap, I would probably take that. Um, there's been a lot of pressure on the, uh, and it's just media talk, really. There's not really yeah, any more well, pressure. It's the, it's the same mob of dickheads saying the same mob of shit. Yeah, and look, a, a couple of weeks ago, Griffin was fine because he had this team, I think, punching above their weight. I think when you look at where they are on the ladder, it's probably around about where you would expect them to be. I don't know what people expect out of Griffin, quite honestly, with the squad he's got. Um, I, I just think they're about where they should be. And that's one of Griffin's strengths is that he will get as much as he can out of your squad. Yeah. Um, it's not like they're underperforming. I, I don't think they're underperforming. And they've still got, a, I think they're a couple of years away from really considering themselves as a, you know, even a mid-finals team, you know, a mid-top eight team. Yeah. Um, that, because this team is not a very good team. And 
but he's made them better. I think that's the thing that people need to focus on. Um, having said that, I just think Manly will get the points in this one. Yeah, Manly, I reckon, will win this comfortably. Um, Moses and Bob will be replacing Moses Sully on in the centres. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tarek Sims replaces Aaron Woods on the bench. Poor Aaron. Um, the thing you'll find about the Dragons is their forwards are a bit of a mess. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they've got to figure that out. But uh, what's Manly got? Jack, Jake Travojevic is out with COVID. And that's a loss. But the other mm. thing to remember over the last, you know, month and a bit is that the Dragons have had to cope without Ben Hunt on and off. And, yeah. you know, I can't believe that people are just overlooking that because he is there. Remember when he got the million-dollar deal and people blew up about it? Yeah. And I, I don't know if we were doing – I don't think we were doing the podcast back then, but I remember talking about, like, I thought it was a really good deal for a young halfback that was experienced. And that was uh, pretty consistent at club level. And at the end of the day, it's been a, a, a absolute bargain, a bargain by. He's been their best player over that period. And the other thing to consider is if they hadn't spent a million bucks on him, who would they have spent it on? Luke Brooks? Yeah, it'd be, it would have been somebody probably not as good or it would have been split amongst other players in the squad that weren't as good either. So... Sometimes you're better off taking a flyer on somebody and saying, look, I'm comfortable in giving them a million bucks a year because I know what I'm getting. It, it, you know, that's underrated, I reckon. At least it's, it's money, the right amount of money spent on the right sort of player. That's the main thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, second game on Friday is the Knights versus the Roosters. Now, the Knights are outsiders in this one on Palmer Bet. I'm not surprised. But not, not by as much as you would expect. The Knights in the head-to-head are at $3.72. The Sydney Roosters are at $1.28. The Newcastle Knights have a 10.5-point head start. They get $1.90 for that. With the 10.5-point handicap, the Roosters are also at $1.90. I think the head-to-head price probably has something to do with their clash earlier in the year, but I would dare say that these clubs are in very different positions than they were at that point. Very much so. Um, for the Knights, Heimel Hunt will be making his debut this season anyway um, in on the wing. Um, Sasagi's out injured, and Kurt Mann is on the bench. Uh, for the Roosters, Kiri and Maria Hargrove's return. Manu shifts back to the centres. Tokyo is out. Lodge will be starting in the front row. Uh, Tupanur is out. So a few, quite a few changes there, especially in the, the halves. Kiri's mm-hmm. um, going to be a 5'8", not a halfback, which I think is probably a smart move. Yeah. And let's just hope he doesn't get a head knock, because if he gets a head knock in this game, it's mm. retirement time for him. Yeah, it's really something you've got to start looking at, seriously. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think Roosters are going to have a bit of fun here. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw Manu just absolutely tear them apart. Him and Tedesco, obviously, but Manu <coughs> also he's got, uh, Suali. He's got really good at running back through the middle too. Um, yeah. That, that little shift to 5-8 last week saw him just wreaking havoc on the edges and, and through the middle, and I wouldn't be surprised if he sort of rose in that area a bit as well to sort of 
take a bit of that pressure off Kiryu too. I don't think Kiryu's going to be as involved as he normally is coming back. I think he's sort of yeah. going to take a bit of a back seat. Look, Mark, when Manu was playing there at 5 at 8th and he moved around a little bit in that game too, um, it just... I just can't believe that there are no clubs that are going to him and offering him 1.2 million bucks a year to try and get him to turn it down and stay at the Roosters for less because he's so versatile and he's such a good ball runner and he's so skillful. He is a he is one of the best players in the game and I I just think that obviously he's a great bonus for the Roosters to have someone like that. But there are so many other teams that could use him as a featured player. And yeah. I'm just a little bit shocked that they haven't gone after him. They will. When he's 30, Tigers will give him two million a year. <laughs> <laughs> um, on Saturday, the Raiders take on the Warriors. Now, the Raiders are favourites in the head-to-head here. Dan in Canberra, they're at $1.28. The New Zealand Warriors are at $3.75. The Warriors have a 12.5-point head start at $1.90. And with the 12.5-point handicap, the Raiders are also at $1.90. Now, I saw today the uh, the lineup that they've named the Warriors. They've mm-hmm. got Chanel Harris-Tavita at fullback, which means that they've dropped Reese Walsh, who's their best player, to the bench. <sighs> now, now Stacey Jones has said he's got a plan. And I'm trying to work out what plan this mastermind coaching plan is where you drop your first grade fullback and your best player to the bench, replace him at fullback with a halfback. I could understand it if it was a young fullback that they thought will get him some game time. But, you know, Chanel Harris-Tavita is also leaving the Warriors at the end of the year. He's basically, the Warriors basically ruined his young career to the point where he doesn't want to play rugby league next year. So I don't know what big brain move Stacey Jones is going to come up with in this game. My guess is that he will basically switch them back for one another an hour before kickoff. And if that is the sort of game playing bullshit that Stacey Jones thinks makes you a first grade coach, then he ain't a first grade coach. Maybe he's the first client, young client for Nathan Brown. It's possible. I mean, he was Nathan Brown's assistant coach. Maybe Nathan Brown has passed on all of his coaching wisdom to him. Mm. And he is two years younger than Nathan Brown. Yeah, there you go. So he is a young coach. Um, that whole mess, be prepared for that. That's going to be what the West Tigers will be doing for the next three years. That is yeah. seriously the sort of stuff they do. Yeah. And it yeah. I, I always no think that – look – I find it weird when coaches think that they're going to outsmart the opposition coach by being by being like, oh, we're going to put out our star on the bench and they're not going to know where he's going to come on. It's like, yeah, but we know he's playing. Like, <laughs> we've yeah. seen plenty of him. It's it's a weird one. Um, you know, we'll see if he's got some master plan. Maybe he does actually have some brilliant master plan and we'll see it in play and we'll be like, wow. Who would ever have thought he was going to do that? I'll tell um, you what I reckon the master plan might be. Yeah. It's going to be left wing. I wouldn't be surprised if he uses him um, to give Wade Egan a rest and plays Walsh at hooker. I, I don't know. 
You know, I wouldn't I've be got, surprised if he does that. I got this weird coaching philosophy, and I've never been a rugby league coach in my life, but I get this weird philosophy that you pick your best lineup possible. That'll never work. I know. I know. That's why I'm not a coach. Um, there yeah. was a little bit of whispers today that uh, the Melbourne Storm were trying to get Walsh for the rest of the year. Because hmm. they know they're not going to have Pappenhausen because he's broken his kneecap. Walsh would be a pretty good replacement if they could get Walsh on the cheap, same way that Penrith got uh, Pangai Jr. at the end of last yeah. year. It's a stretch, but it's possible. It a, yeah. Yeah, I I I don't think I don't think you'd do it to be honest. I agree. Okay, what's the next game? Okay. Next game is um, Panthers versus the Sharks. And this right now is over the last six weeks, anyway, the two best defensive teams in the competition. Okay, well, that's interesting because palmerbet.com has the Penrith Panthers as heavy favourites. They're at $1.25 in the head-to-head. The Sharks are at $4. The Sharks have a 12.5-point head start at $1.90, while the Panthers with the 12.5-point handicap are also at $1.90. Um Obviously, Panthers at home, very hard to beat. And I guess Palmer Bet is looking at this game and saying the Sharks have done pretty well, but now they're running into the buzzsaw that has basically taken down pretty much everyone this year, apart from the Eels. And it might be a little bit of a wake-up call, especially when you look at the head start they've given them. Yeah, it's... I think the thing that Penrith's going to find tricky here is the Sharks don't have a set, um, a, a routine attacking structure that they throw out every week. Yeah. They've got enough people with enough skills to be able to throw something different every week. Last week was the first time we saw Jesse Ramian being used as um, a try-scoring weapon close to the line. Mm-hmm. He went, he scored one try getting outside his man like a typical centre, and he scored another one barging over from dummy half. And... It's just a bit left field. You're not expecting that. Um, so they can just throw random shit at you from nowhere. And more often than not this year, it's been sticking. Um, so that's sort of slightly awkward attack they've got. Could be enough to sort of... I wouldn't say it's going to beat Penrith. I would say it's going to challenge the Panthers' defence in a way that most other teams won't. Yeah, because most other teams have got like three or four set plays that they'll just keep throwing at you until it works. Whereas the Sharks are just sort of a little bit more fluid with their attack. You know, they 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 play what's in front of them a little bit more, mm-hmm. which is making them a little bit unpredictable. Um, their defense, though, it doesn't look like it's doing anything superb compared to Penrith, but somehow it's keeping points out. So it's doing something right, but. Um, yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if Penrith win this. Um, I'm not expecting an absolute flogging. No. But I wouldn't be surprised if Penrith wins by at least two or three converted tries. I don't know. That's, I'm saying flogging, they might win by 18, but you know, a flogging these days is 30 points. 
I can't believe this is my club, hey? Because I, I'm, I look at this and I'm like, yeah, the, the Sharks are in pretty good form. And I look at their odds for this. And look, the Sharks might win this game. That's why we play the games. But it's crazy that it, I'm following a team right now that, at the very least, this is how people think of this team, that, oh, yeah, you had a good run, but you're $4 outsiders. <laughs> it's, it's seriously... I don't even, I don't take it for granted. I really don't. It's just, it's like a dream. It's unbelievable. It is crazy. I just have a look at Penrith with their uh, win record here. Since the um, start of 2021, they've only had five losses. That's in 45 games. 40 wins, five losses. They, it, none of it matters unless you win the grand final. Right, and they've won one, but if they have a great season this year and they don't win the grand final, it's going to be a bit of a bummer, right? Yeah. But if they win the grand final this year and they have another season like this next year, or close, say they they lose five games next year even, I think you could probably start marking them up just in this little, this little time frame. Start marking them up against some of the great teams of all time, which is insane. I'm going to have to do some checking up on, you know, win records and stuff like this. Because I've gone back to 2020 now. 60 mm. wins, one draw, seven losses. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. That's insane. That really that really is. Holy crap. Yeah. And so it's – and you consider 2019 was miserable at parts for Penrith. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, the complete change of when it finally clicked at the start of 2021, that that went over the Roosters. Boom, they're on. Well, actually, you probably even put it down to that last round game against the Knights where they, remember they scored, was it 50-odd points against Newcastle in the last round of 2019? You know, I remember that game for the, for the reason of, because that wasn't a great season, but it was like, it was an afterthought result for me. Yeah. So it was like, oh, yeah, well, you smashed it, you know, the Knights in the last round, whatever. I wonder if you look back on it and go, maybe that was the time when everything finally went and clicked and you go, maybe that was that was when things changed. Mm. I don't yeah. know. I I think that I remember there was one season and I, I, it was when we opened against the Knights and I can't remember who, I don't know, it might have been, uh, Ivan Cleary as the coach in his first stint. And we come up and I, I'm sure it was, we played the Knights and we didn't look fit. And I remember getting on Twitter saying, "What? Like you've got the whole off season to prepare for round one. How do you get to this point where you, you don't look fit? And I feel as though that's a lesson Cleary got out of his first stint, of, stint at Penrith where like you look at the Panthers now, they don't look tired. Like no. every other team looks busted by the end of the games. And they're Penrith's largely going defense, through the motions more more often than not. Yeah, they're like Penrith just looks so comfortable in the last ten minutes um, when they've got a lead. You know, it's it's crazy to me. As I said, I, I'm watching it and I'm kind of just blown away. Um, if it was somebody else's team. 
I'd be like, this is bloody incredible. I, I've thought this about the Storm before, but for it to be my team, I can't even believe it. I can't believe it. Yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. Um, yeah, as far as playing against Sharks go, I think, yeah, Penrith will win this one. Yeah. Reasonably well, but they will be pushed a bit in defence, you know, in, in a way where other teams won't pressure them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just because the Sharks will just throw some random shit up. Yeah. Um, and saying that, I don't think the Sharks will be disgraced either. Yeah, I but agree. I agree. They've surprised everyone this year. I think a lot of people thought they were going to finish ninth or 10th, and they're, they're doing way better than anyone thought they would. And I think that they're doing it with – it feels like it's one of those seasons that it hasn't gone terribly for them, but I feel like it hasn't gone exactly to plan for them either. They've had a few injuries to deal with, key players that they've brought into the club that haven't always been available. So they've they've done well. It, it, looking at the $4 in the head-to-head, um, that really shocks me. I thought that would have been closer to like, I don't know, $2.30 or something. Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Mind you, it's a, it's a bloody good game, as is the one following it, South versus Melbourne. Yeah, now South's... Uh, they're starting to get their, all of their players back on deck, which is good. And Melbourne haven't been going great lately. so And they've got some injuries too. So South Sydney in the head-to-head on palmerbet.com are at $2.05. The Melbourne Storm are at $1.77. The South Sydney Rabdos have the one-and-a-half-point head start at $1.95, while with the one-and-a-half-point handicap, the Melbourne Storm are at $1.86. So they've had a little bit of money on them, the Melbourne Storm, on palmerbet.com. I, I I basically have been sticking to my rule of always tip the storm, and they've yeah. been letting me down lately, but I'm tipping the storm again. I just have so much faith in that club that they can they can get through this period. But I've got to say, losing Pappenhausen, I mean, basically they've lost him two seasons in a row now, um, and just a freak occurrence as well, like getting your kneecaps smashed. Just yeah. horrible, you know. It's, it's like James Tedesco's early seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very similar injury. It was crazy. And, and the, um, the thing is, too, I, I I was tweeting about this. It sounds like I oh, just broke his kneecap, but when you break your kneecap, it's a really serious injury. It's like ACL style injury, yeah. unless you don't break it too badly. But if you crack it in half, then you're looking at all sorts of different problems that you have to carry for the rest of your career. It's a really bad one for him. Mm. Um, the Melbourne Storm have lost their last three games. The last time they lost four straight games was in the middle of the 2015 season. Wow. Um, Meany moves back to fullback with Papenhausen out, and mm-hmm. Tyron Wishart will be coming in on the wing. He's a very versatile player, uh, very good ball player as well. So he's been... Been getting coaching from Billy Slater in the off-season prior to this season starting, so he should be pretty handy under the high ball. Yep. Um, for the Bunnies, Cook and Murray return. So, <sighs> mm. South's attack has been absolutely brilliant, but their defense just drops in and out of, of games. Um, yeah. 
I'm I'm gonna go Storm as well. Uh, this I wouldn't be surprised if this is a high scoring game. Oh really? I you know watching Latrell Mitchell last week against the Bulldogs, and I think he has completely embraced the villain role. And we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. Like he doesn't need to be um, everyone's favourite son. Like he, it, it's all right if Latrell Mitchell's the bad guy. And I think he's embraced that a little bit. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how he goes forward. He needs to finish this year. That's the main thing. Yeah. Um, he's saying that um, it's okay to accept being seen as a bad guy. Just don't go out of your way to try and enhance it. Just go, you know what? If people want to see me that way, fuck you, I don't care. And just go on and do what you've got to do. Yeah. It's interesting because, like, a lot of people in the past have compared him to Greg Inglis. And I guess physically there's that thing of, like, when Latrell gets ahead of steam, he can look, he can give you those flashbacks of Inglis where it was just like a man amongst boys sort of thing. But I always felt the thing with Greg Inglis was that it was a, it was almost this silent sort of thing. Like he would do that and he wouldn't say a thing. Whereas Latrell talks to, Latrell talks to the other players. And that's cool. They're not the same person. They're not the same player. But, um, I don't know. I think that I like that, that silent sort of, I'll destroy you and not say a word. Like you've been there before, you know. That's, it's cold is what it, it is. It really is. Like Greg Inglis could run 90 metres and he'd celebrate a try, but he wouldn't say anything to the opposition. And it's like, man, no. what are we supposed to do? <laughs> you haven't even got time to be angry at him, I guess, is the thing. <laughs> yeah. And he's not even that, that emotional about it. He's like, yeah, I just, I just do this for the hell of it. Yeah. It's like it's so dismissive and cold. I guess it's that thing of like um, you can't get you can't be angry at him because he's not saying anything, so you're just in awe of him. Yeah, exactly. Um, next game Sunday: Bulldogs versus Titans. Now the Bulldogs are heavy favourites for this game on PalmerBet.com. Head to head, they're at one dollar fifty-five. The Gold Coast Titans are at two dollars forty-five. The Gold Coast Titans only have a four and a half point head start at one dollar ninety. With the four and a half point handicap, the Bulldogs are also at one dollar ninety. I'd probably take the Bulldogs with the handicap in this game. They're playing much better. Their attack, as you pointed out in the last episode, is just out of this world better than it was against when Trent Barrett was the coach. And I just think we're going to see the uh, the the Gold Coast Titans sort of fade out for the rest of the year. Um, and I expect Holbrook to be sacked at the after the last round. Yeah, I think the Bulldogs will probably win this one quite comfortably. Um, is there anything with the Titans? Uh, Jaden Campbell's returning, but he'll be on the bench. Um, Big Tino's also back in the side. Uh, Fafita's been back for a few weeks now, I think. Fatui um, is back in, in the run-on side. Kevin Proctor, still on the extended bench. Mm-hmm. And he deserves to be there. Um, Josh Adakar's ankle injury didn't has appeared to be not as bad as first thought, so he's still listed to play uh, this weekend. That's interesting. That's I would probably 
The thing about the Bulldogs is if they get on a roll, they can drag themselves into the finals, into the finals race, sorry. But they need to nail a good three or four wins in a row. And I guess that means they can't afford to not, they can't afford to say to Addo Carr, like, have a rest. They really need him because he's a a great leader for the club. One of the things that came out in the media today was that um, there was one of those secret meetings. You know those secret meetings that clubs have that are in packed restaurants? Well, I, were, I like the I like the secret meetings because we always get told about the secret meetings. Yeah, yeah, it's funny how that works, eh? Hey? Yeah. Well, there was a, a secret meeting with uh, Bulldogs power brokers and Cameron Seraldo, the Penrith Panthers assistant coach, and they were having a meal and I guess talking about the possibility of him taking over the Bulldogs. Um, you and me have talked about they should just stick with Potter because when you're in a good situation, we'll change it. Um. Yeah, I, and, and I, I don't understand that. I don't understand why they would still be pursuing somebody that is an unknown quantity when they're watching somebody that has turned the team around for them in front of their eyes every week. Eventually what's going to happen, though, is other clubs like the Dragons, the Titans, um, probably even the Warriors as well, maybe the Knights, they're going to be looking at a new coach. Mm-hmm. is going to be the top of the list for all of those. Um, and while that's all going on, the Bulldogs are slowly climbing up the ladder. They're performing better and better every week. And so they're not thinking about, shit, we need to get a coach. They're thinking, we might win another game here. Mm. They're still not thinking about coaches as much because the pressure's off. They're performing properly. Things are going better. And... Serrato's going to make a decision before the Bulldogs, you know, probably jump at him, although there's talk that Phil Gould reckons he's already got him. Heard that one before. Um, so who knows? Who knows? I just, uh, I think these clubs are going nutty over this stuff, eh? Hey? Like there was, there was news that came out today that, and I don't think it's been confirmed yet, but that the Redcliffe Dolphins are going to sign Christian Wolf, who was the St. Helens coach, to a five-year contract that will see him be an assistant coach for the next three years. This sounds familiar, doesn't it? Next three years under Wayne Bennett, and then after that he will take over as the head coach in 2025, uh, and he will have a two-year contract as the head coach. Um, I, I don't think it has been confirmed yet, but to me, once again... That is absolutely, positively insane. Mostly for what we've discussed before about hiring St. Helens coaches to come and be NRL coaches. Yeah, 100%. Their records are abysmal. Um, And, you know, I guess he's going to get a chance to be an assistant coach under Bennett, but that doesn't mean anything, you know. We've seen some of Bennett's assistant coaches, some of them being good. Some of them have been terrible, and you never know until they have been a head coach for some time and you see whether they have it or they don't. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's bad move. Mm. Um, oh, boy. Speaking last of bad game of the round. Last <laughs> game of the round. The Cowboys are up against the bye. 
subscribe to West Tigers as a buy last week. <laughs> so the North Queensland Cowboys at home are favourites in this game, as you might expect. They're can at I, $1. Can I, can I guess? Oh, go, go on. A dollar four. Not quite. They're at a dollar ten. Oh, jeez. Get on it. Put your house on it. <laughs> Responsibly, of course. <laughs> yeah. The West Tigers are at seven dollars. Jesus Christ. Seems a bit short. <laughs> it's very short. The West Tigers have on palmabet.com have a nineteen and a half point head start at one dollar ninety. While with the one uh, the nineteen and a half point handicap, the North Queensland Cowboys are also at one dollar ninety. I'm going out on a limb and I'm going to say the Cowboys are going to win this one. This should be the game where the Tigers finally have a team put 50 on them this year. Or has that already happened once? If it hasn't happened once, it should have by now. Yeah, it should have. I saw a, a report that said that Tim Sheens has said that he will be taking more control of the coaching role from Brett Kamali from this game forward. Oh, for fuck's sake. Well, how disgraceful is that? Well, Noddy, just walk away, mate. Yeah. yeah like, Where you are right now is Sheens is doing all the coaching, but for every loss and every fuck-up, it's your name on the bloody paperwork, mate. And, he's, and just Brett, constantly, he's just constantly holding Kamali at arms like in front of a truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and look, Brett Kamali deserves better than this. He really he does. does. He doesn't deserve to be that patsy. For uh, for Tim Sheens, I think what He's Tim Sheens is doing is disgraceful. No, you're right. It's disgraceful, utterly disgraceful. Mm. He's having his career killed before it gets started. Yeah, yeah. And, and for no other reason other than to stop all of these losses going on Tim Sheens' record. Yeah, it's all ego. Yeah, it's disgraceful. I feel very sorry for him. Likewise, it's a horrible situation. Um. Cowboys have got Holmes, Dearden, Nanai, Tolungi, all returning. Lua moves to prop. I don't know why he'd put him there. He's He's got to be on an edge. He doesn't work hard enough to be in the middle. Yeah, I agree. Um, Jesus Christ, they're a good side, though. Like They've just got a very good rotation off the bench as well. Mm. Um, Brent Naden returns. He's going onto the wing. Um, Luke Brooks is still at halfback, which means Hastings is still at five eight. Uh, doesn't fill me with any. I mean, you're going to have Jackson Hastings up against Jason Tormalolo. Fuck me. And look, that's unfair to him, as we've talked about. Of course, it is. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I just feel there's people at that club I feel sorry for. Hastings is one of them. Kamal is one you know, of them. This is something I don't get. But in the in the past, I'm talking in the 90s and early 2000s, mm-hmm. if you had a really good um, ball player who had a bit of size about him, think Brad Fittler, um, Trent Barrett, even Laurie Daly to some degree, you could move them to lock. Mm-hmm. They could handle the defensive workload. And because being a lock wasn't just being a third prop, it was actually being a second 5'8". But someone who could do some defence and do a few hit ups and stuff at the same mm. time, so mm. it kind of worked. But the the way a lock works now is almost like a third prop. Mm-hmm. You can't have your talented ball playing half who's got a, enough size to handle himself defensively playing a lock. If you're smart, you'll do what the sharks do. You move 
Wade Graham, who started as a 5'8", to the second row, so he can stay out on an edge and still create havoc out there. That's why his career has worked as a second rower, transferring over there. I don't know why you see things like Jack Bird at lock, Jackson Hastings at lock. It makes no sense. Put him in the second row. And the thing is, too, it's like, especially with those two you just named, Bird and Hastings, like they're big for, for a half, but it's not like they're, like Brad Fittler was gigantic for a half. He was absolutely massive. And the reason he started getting moved to lock was because of, like, you get in, say, a state of origin or Australian setting, and you could have Brad Fittler in the same side as a Laurie Daly. Like, it, it all of a sudden, you've got this incredible amount of ball playing out there. Yeah. That's not what's happening at the West Tigers, you know? No. And And the other thing is, too, you go back to that era – Forwards were not the absolutely monolithic giants that they are now. Like, no, God, no. They, they were far, far smaller than they are now. So, and as you said, Hastings is lining up and his opposite number is Jason Taumalolo. That says everything you need to hear about this situation. And Hastings should be trying to get out of there if he can. It's a terrible situation. I think Adam Dewey should get out of there too. That guy plays his ass off yeah absolutely bust his ass for that club club. he deserves better too yeah ever since he came to the club i said all along he's playing like the sort of the way that a captain would play Mm -hmm. i won't give him the captaincy i don't get it like that's what you that's who you give it to the players listen to him when he speaks he plays with so much passion for the club why wouldn't you give him the captaincy it makes sense that's the sort of person you want as a leader. I don't know. I, I don't get it. I don't get it because he's clearly, he is their leader at that club. It's no yeah. one else. It's no one else. No, no. <coughs> um, now, Naden returns. Junior Tupo um, drops out. Noffel Luma is on the extended bench alongside James Roberts. Um, both had illness last week. Sadly for Tigers fans, they're not ill anymore. Um, so don't be surprised if they get called up. What Carmo's happened to the What happened to the Pommy Center? There's talk he's going to Redcliffe next year. I heard and that there was also talk that was it Leeds was trying to get him for the rest of this year. They should. Yeah, that's his um, left. Well, apparently the Tigers blocked it. Oh, what? Why would you not get out of his contract? Oh man. I knew I was going to not be belligerent, but fuck the Tigers, they're dumb. They're so yeah. fucking dumb. You go and you put him on the plane. You say, we'll pay for everything to get you off of our fucking books. Holy yeah. shit. Would, would you like like three chicken palmers while you're there? We'll, We're we sending pay... you shitloads of OXO things, you know? <laughs> I was going to say, we will get Gordon Ramsay on this plane to cook for you for the whole journey. <laughs> You ever heard of Gravox? We're sending you a boatload of Gravox. <laughs> Holy shit. We will send you Kieran Cunningham's weight in Gravox. <laughs> is, there, is there enough Gravox in the world for that? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, oh, man, they can't even get out from under a bad contract. <laughs> well... 
But they can. They refuse to. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm sorry. Oh, so, man. They're so bad. Them, I, feel, I'm so, I feel so sorry for Andrew. That sucks, man. Furthermore, Tyrone Peach has been put on the bench. <laughs> Why? Why? <sighs> Got Tyrone Peach you'd signed for them, hi. Hey? Yeah. Has he left the club yet? I know that Tyrone Peach... They told him he could go elsewhere after they signed him for three years on shit tons of money. <laughs> Isn't it funny that they signed they signed him thinking he was a finishing touch? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Problem is, haven't started touching anything else. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's bad. Oh look, before we before we leave, yes. the West Tigers. There was a news report today that said that. Uh, Scott Prince wants to come back and help the club. I think it's good to get, get get all of the band back together. Wow. But to be fair, they did have a good 14 to 15 months there back in 2005. And uh, look, any time you can jump on the gravy train, why not? I'm not going to get excited about this coaching system until both John Scandalis and Bryce Gibbs are on board. <laughs> and I want... Um, I want I want Liam Fulton as the defense coach, mm-hmm. and I want Daniel Fitzhenry as the circle work coach. That needs what, to happen. What about uh, what was the name of that Kiwi bloke? And they used to play him at like he'd play at lock and then five eighth. Malesi. Nah, nah, it was another dude. Oh, what was his name? Fatawira. Hey. Fatawira. Nah, nah. Oh, I just can't remember his name. I can see his face. Anyway. Oh, um, Hallatow. Yes, Hallatow. Yeah, yeah you got to get him in there. Yeah, Dean Hallatow. He, it was so weird. He'd be like, he, he'd be like an underskilled five eighth one week, and then an undersized lock the next, and then he'd like play center all of a sudden out of nowhere. There's an underskilled hooker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like, and to be fair, he, he, he did an all right job considering what he was oh, asked he, to do. He gave his all, but the problem is he just wasn't he wasn't the right man for those nah. positions. They should nah. just park him in the second row and said, just run weird lines and, and do what you do. He had a low centre of gravity, good ball runner, mm. and never got to you know, fully play that role out. Constantly Tried hard, too. He, he was one of those players that he played, man. He oh, went yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, he just feels like the most West Tiger-y West Tiger to me in, in that sense of like... Just played everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Liam Fulton's another one that fits that bill pretty well too. Yeah. He played yeah. at five eighth and Hooker and Locke and everywhere else. Uh, actually, no, we can't say Liam Fulton because he, he was actually a good defender. But still, like, <laughs> like super undersized. Yeah. Like really, really small for a forward. He was like a small version of ICO. Yeah, like if you put Isaiah Yo into Photoshop and you did like did reduce to sixty eight percent, you got Liam Fulton. <laughs> exactly, has the same defensive technique, has the very similar ball skills. Um, yeah, just just less effective when you're not just, like a hundred and eight kilos. Hey, just smaller. You just wish he was. Yeah, you just wish he had like a hundred kilos on his frame and not ninety all the time. Yeah, but it shows and, you. Shows you how much hard he had, the fact that he was actually 
so slight and small, and yet he played oh. the second row and played pretty bloody well. Yeah, 100%. 100%. They don't have players like that anymore at the club. No, no. Who, who do you reckon would be, like, who are the smallest players in the NRL now, do you reckon? Like, Jaden Campbell would be no, one he's of a, the he's slighter six, ones. He's over six foot tall, though. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, but you look at him and you see a smaller player, but he's not short. He's just slight. Um, good question. Yeah, like I would be one of the shorter ones, but I mean, like, look at him. He's, oh, um, he's tank. Blake Braley. Oh, really? The, the Sharks hooker. He doesn't look too big. He's 1.8 metres and 86 kilos. What's that in the old scale, foot and inches? Just under six foot. So okay. six foot, I think, is 183 or 182, okay. somewhere around there. Yeah, because so he doesn't – he, he comes across to me as more of a – not undersized, but more of like a – you know how some hookers are really built solid and then others are built a little bit more like a PJ Marsh, for instance? Yeah. Or a Craig Wing where they're slight, but they, I guess, Damien Cook to a certain extent as well. Oh, Jaden Braley's the same weight, but a bit shorter. He's 179 centimetres. Oh, there you go. They're almost identical in size. How right. how, how tall is that uh, that English centre we were just talking about? Because he was very, very light. Gildar. Yeah. Oliver Gildar, yeah. Uh. So he's exactly six foot tall. Okay. Uh, and he was 85 kilos. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's crazy to me that he's only 85 kilos. Oh, yeah, it's nuts. The game today, that's nuts. Yeah, I, I just, um, especially as a centre in this current era, you can't survive with 85 kilos. Ben Hunt, he's three kilos heavier than him. Yeah. Ben, look, Ben Hunt, out, when you see him on a footy field, he's one of the shorter dudes. He's yeah, not he's, a small dude. He's a metre 78 tall. Yeah. 88 kilos. Yeah, like he's a he's a decent-sized dude. How how big how big is um Nathan Cleary? Because Nathan Cleary, is a, I think he's surprisingly big. Uh, so he's just on six foot tall and he's 92 kilos. Yeah, so he's he's a fucking solid for a halfback. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I can't really think of any others on there who'd be. Yeah, and smaller, I guess. Yeah. I just remember when Sam Tompkins come over, and he just looked like another twenties player, and it was kind of shocking to see. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not really having any lucky finding anyone smaller. Yeah. But that and, and that's the thing about the NRL. Like even even the small players now are, are, are pretty big dudes, and it just shows you that the the guys that are absolutely massive compared to everyone else. How just gigantic that! Like, um, for for Solomona in uh down in Melbourne, yeah, he's uh, like he's a giant. Viliami Kickout, he's a giant. 
Jason Tamalolo is the whitest human being I've ever seen. And when I say white, I mean, he, like, his shoulders must be, like, three and a half feet across. Yeah, actually, there's footage of a um, one of England's best front rows from the 80s jump, coming out of a tunnel mm-hmm. onto the field for a club game over there. Mm. And it just you look at his shoulders, you're just like, holy fuck, they're like a metre, a metre and a half apart. Yeah. <laughs> just runs out. He's, he must be taking a door hinges everywhere he goes. Um, <laughs> Sam Walker. Oh, yeah. He's just on six six foot tall, but he's 78 kilos. And did you know he's born in Leeds? Really? Yeah. Man, that's interesting. So he was born over there when Ben was playing, um, his father was playing for the Leeds Rhinos in Super League. Yeah. Wow. So he's a legit pom. He's a legit pom. Well, does he, there's, okay, here's a question for you then. The greatest English rugby league player of all time, there's no doubt who it is. It's Sam Bob Walker. No, it's Bob Fulton. Oh, yeah. Well, for, for now. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, on a list, by the time he gets to the end of his career, where will Sam Walker rank? Well, he's got to beat, obviously, Ian Roberts after, you know, mm-hmm. Ian Roberts is number two after Fulton. Yep. Wasn't Roberts born in London, I think? He was indeed, yes. Yeah. He's got to, that's his, uh, that's where he's got to get to. Yeah. Victor Radley's just pretending. Yeah, Victor Radley. Um, England's best lock forward of the last 30 years. <laughs> it's hard to argue with it. Maybe someone Walker, better. Okay, he, here's the thing. Sam Walker right now. When was mm-hmm. the last time England had a halfback that could do what he does right now as a young player? <sighs> Pass and kick. Uh... <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> like, okay, here's a better question. How far do you have to go back where you can't replace Sam Walker with who they named at halfback and feel like he's an upgrade. It's been a while. Yeah. The thing is, England either has uh, a halfback who does all this fancy stuff, but no organising, no organising, or they have a halfback who does all the organising, but none of the fancy stuff. Mm-hmm. They basically either pick someone who's trying to be Benji Marshall or someone trying to be Chad Townsend. Yeah. <laughs> like, I always say that the last the, time England had a halfback that um, was a concern when they played test matches, I think it was Bobby Goulding. Um, I don't think that any of them since then have been of a concern to us. He was he was fucking tough, though, that bloke. That yeah, was, he was a thing that, he that was, was the thing. Shit in a competitor. He was basically just a reimagined version of Tommy Bishop. Just nuggety, but mm. fucking tough, and still had all those, you know, brilliant skill sets that you needed to have from a halfback. Um, he was one, he was like the like uh, uh, the sort of halfback where English halfback. I mean, where it was like. This guy will do something weird at a weird time that you're not expecting, and it, he'll make it work. Yeah, and that and was he, what the worry was with him when you played also, against him. He also played in a time when 
England's forwards and backs were always running. Mm. And so every time you played against Great Britain in the especially in the eighties and nineties, well whatever they may have lacked in skill, and they didn't lack much in skill in the eighties and nineties, but if, if they were ever lacking in that area or they were lacking in speed or power or something like that, um, they just had it through constant players running option lines everywhere. And so mm. the defence, it couldn't bunch up anywhere because there were so many moving targets you had to man up on in order to beat them. That's why they constantly had the upper hand over pretty much every other country except for Australia mm-hmm. because Australia had its own competition that was elite that they were playing all the time. So they were able to adapt and adjust and defend against that, whereas all the other nations, they may have had their competitions, but it wasn't on the same level as the English competition or the Australian one. And so they found it hard to counter that English attack and the constant waves coming at you. And when you're throwing Goulding and you have the likes of Hanley and, oh, man. Edwards, and then you'd had the the spectre of, like, out wide and off here who, like, you just always had to be worried about it's like yeah. a Josh Addo car. Like, are they going to kick it across field and he's just going to fly past everyone? Yeah. It was just constant. See, I, I feel as though it's interesting the way you describe the way they used to play. The other thing that their forwards used to have was a little bit of footwork as well when they would run oh, yeah. runners. So you, it wasn't just having to worry that they were going to run at the line. You had to worry they were going to step at the, at the line and, you know, have you off balance as you're trying to tackle them. And I, I've always felt like English rugby league over the last, say, at least 25 years, but probably down over to 30 years, they really, they, they stopped understanding what a decoy runner was and got really confused by it in a weird way. And they would watch what we were doing in the NRL and in Australia and New Zealand and stuff. And they were seeing how we use decoy runners. And look, we, you can watch any NRL game any week and players are taken out defenders and, and tries getting turned over. And so we're pushing the limits of what a decoy runner is over here. And I think that that sort of confuses them. So now what you get is English teams where their forwards will all move up as one and be ready to get the ball, but they're not putting any pressure on the defence to have yeah. to make a decision. You can just hold your line. It's exactly right. And it's because they're starting flat-footed. Mm. And it's hard to get any momentum and, and make any threat to the line if you're starting flat-footed because the the sliding defence is not great either. But if, the, if every ball runner is starting flat-footed and the defenders are flat-footed, they can compete like the defence can compete with the attack. They're mm-hmm. not going to get bullied around too much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's as soon as... And look, St. Helens uh, and Wigan seem to... Uh, well, not so much Wigan. St. Helens at the moment and Catalan seem to be the only teams that will have attack moving. And so it throws a lot of defences out and that's what helps them get victories and be successful and stay at the top and that sort of thing. Um but it shows you how little you need to do in order to just be the best. Yeah, I, I feel as though if you if you went to most Super League clubs and gave them a, a decent hooker rotation, it's almost in a similar vein to what we saw work in Origin this year where you've got two hookers just working, you know, half game each, but you're rotating them. If you do that, 
and you, you've won half the battle because yeah. their their ruck their ruck is so laxed and the play the balls are so quick that if you get on a roll just out of dummy half, then it gives you the ability for the halfbacks and they'll go across field and they'll look for a player back on the inside. And you, you can break down a defense like that, you know, whereas Absolutely. in the NRL, it, it's, you, you can't just do that. You really, if you did that in the NRL, you really just send in your ball runner back into the teeth of the defense and they'll tackle them all day. It's a hospital pass more than anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you have to get a team that is being extremely lazy around the ruck for that sort of stuff to work in the NRL to the point where throw your hands in the air because they're so lazy. You just get angry watching them sort of thing. Kind of like the Tigers. I wasn't going to say their name out loud. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, there we go. Well... Uh, I suppose Cowboys should win this by fifty. I think that <laughs> I think that the West Tigers will keep themselves in the final <laughs> in the Premiership race <laughs> and only be beaten by forty-eight. <laughs> Everyone's completely with you on that one. You were so convincing while laughing. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh dear. The only thing that we're looking at the Tigers for now is to see if they can be worse than the Titans. Who's going to be the worst team this year? It's interesting you say that because I've – that to me is kind of an exciting part because I think that they've definitely – they've moved away from everyone else in terms of these are definitely the two worst teams, without doubt. Yeah, although the Knights do sometimes challenge them, as do the Warriors. Yeah, Which but is... the, the Warriors are inconsistently – like the the Tigers and the the Gold Coast Titans, they're consistently bad. Whereas I feel as though the Warriors are inconsistently bad, if that's even possible. Like they're not even good at being bad. The Warriors. <laughs> yeah, I, I get what you mean. The Tigers used to be there. It was great days. Yeah. <laughs> that was back when we used to joke about the Tigers always being ninth. Yeah. Now, now that'd be um. That'd be a good season. That would be like that's that's their aim for like 2024 at the moment is just to be consistent enough to not make the finals. Yeah, to be consistent enough to go back to being the joke that can't make the finals instead of yeah. being this sad thing that's got no chance of making the finals. Back to the glory days of ninth. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, all right. Scotty times. Prince will turn it around. Yeah, I'm sure he will. Um. Right, is is that all for this episode, or have we got anything else we need to chat about? No, I think that's it. We've had a good chat about the rugby league. We've uh, given our palmabet.com betting options. Gamble responsibly, everyone, and thanks to Palmabet. Um, tell us a little bit about Rugby League Project before we go, Andrew. Um, yeah, it's this great website that I've got uh, going with uh, old mate Sean Dolan, who set it up. Um, we're doing a ton of work on it at the moment. Some of it is not visible, but there's a lot of big changes coming along. Um, so go there if you want to check out all the International Rugby League history, including the Women's International Rugby League. Um, we've all, we're very close to getting all of the NRL seasons sorted out from 1908 to present, mm-hmm. um, which means we'll be starting on the English stuff very soon. That's brilliant. And, I mean, the number one source worldwide with the most accurate statistics available 
for Australian Rugby League, uh, English Rugby League, State of Origin, International Rugby League, all of the developing rugby league nations. Uh, it's just second to none, it, and it's the standard. It's something that um, everyone within the game, I think, is really proud of your website, and you should be too. I'm going to say it. When the International Rugby League wanted a full list of every single international game that's ever played, they came to me. I didn't mm-hmm. go to them. They came mm-hmm. to me. That's all you need to know. Yeah. That's a fact. That's that's not bullshit. That's a fact. Um, and look, I'm going to... I'm going to say it as well. You should be the uh, official statistician for the International Rugby League. And I think if they wanted to get everything sorted out with their statistics, they would just come to the source and they'd come to the number one man in in the rugby league's world in terms of stats. And that's you and that's Sean and everyone that works on Rugby League Project. Um, It would be a very quick and easy solution to their problems. Yeah. We'll run our own website. We're fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's like it's going to be the standard no matter what. So um, yeah. that's the brilliant thing. Uh, where can people follow you on Patreon if they want to contribute to Rugby League Project? Oh, you go to patreon.com slash project. It's been a while since I've done that one. <laughs> yeah, RL Project. I've got a bad reason to, for remembering why it was RL Project. But, yeah, go do that. <laughs> yeah. It's good. People should get involved. Yeah. You can check out RLP while you're there. That's got nothing to do with us. Yeah. Well, I, I actually signed up to their one. I'm not surprised. A lot yes. of people probably have. Honestly, great content. Yeah. Really A lot content. of people probably go there with every intention of joining up to RL Project, and they get to RLP and they see what comes up, and they get confused, and they lose their train of thought, and they never get to RL Project. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. We might have to link up with that other mob and just say, hey, we, we are kind of directing a bit of coin your way. You can, you can ship some over our way. <laughs> exactly. It's like how many times has predictive text really ruined a, a, a really good idea where you're like, okay, patreon.com, RLP. Oh, hang on. All right. What's I'll this? come to pants. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there you go. Um, how about leaguefreak.com? Great website. I hear it's also got a Patreon as well. Yeah, the Patreon for LeagueFreak.com is patreon.com forward slash LeagueFreak. There's no space between League and Freak. And uh, any any contributions that people uh, pay towards that, it goes towards website costs, of which there's a lot of them. Uh, it goes towards the website addresses that I own, uh, which Andrew tries to add to every three or four months. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and, and it does add to my part of some of the costs of the podcast as well. Andrew, me and Andrew split the post, costs of the podcast. Um, so it adds to my half of that. Um, and yeah, it, it's just contributes to the website. You know, the website's been around since I think 2004. And, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like a, a look into my rugby league soul. If you read through it, it's kind of interesting. It is indeed. It is indeed. It's um, and it's one of the uh, one of probably the longest running rugby league website there is ever. Um, Let's just go with yes. You know what? It's got to be really damn close. I yeah. it, if I'd have kept my one from nineteen ninety seven, the going, angel fire one. 
Yeah, that would have been the longest running one, but there's there was a definite break between those two, and they kind of weren't related in any way. So I I can't make that claim. Well, I'm happy for you to take it. Longest running rugby league website and greatest yep. website ever, just ever. Yep. Done. Boom. So, there it is. I'm sorry, Pornhub, but there's a new king in town. <laughs> Careful. Steady. <laughs> that that sorry. might require further research. <laughs> sorry sorry to have to break it to you, goldenshowers.net, but uh, League Freak's the new king. <laughs> Oh, there we go. All righty. Well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you check us out on the socials on Instagram and Twitter at Fergo Freak Pod. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, MySpace. Check us out on all of those. You know the drill. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Thank you to Palmerbet. Yes. And we'll catch you all next time. Palmerbet with the big don't argue. Punters will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858.